0: I'm your host, Shwenipu, in this episode 332. I am joined by, I believe it's his second time on this pod, his name is Chuck. That is Chuck from Chucking Darts. You can follow him on Twitter at Chucking Darts. Uh, Chuck, how are you doing on this Thursday evening? Hi,
1: thanks so much for having me, Shwen. I'm doing quite well. Uh, (laughs) Circumstances really uh, came together for this recording. Hopefully we make it through. There's no guarantee. (laughs) But one way or another, we get this done. Thank you very much for uh, sending me a message, asking me to come on. I'm really excited for you tonight.
0: Yeah, no, this this should be a fun pod. Uh, We're going to dive into what I would call is one of the most, uh, I think the the, the the kind way to describe it would be ambitious. Uh, others may call it insane, so we'll leave that up to the listeners. But, uh, we're going to talk about one, uh, an article that, um, that Chuck just dropped. But before we get into that, I do have to make a few announcements. The first thing up the Strickland on Instagram posting all kinds on there it has a YouTube channel where you may be watching this podcast if you are you've not done so already please hit like and then subscribe to the channel that'd be a huge help to us strickland also has merchandise which is available on our website you can get a quickland sweatshirt if you want to on there uh there's a link right at the top of the website the website is www.strick.land it's t-shirts sweatshirts hats coffee mugs water bottles you name it we've got it again that is available on our website. And then, finally, the Strickland has a Patreon, which you can subscribe to. There are a number of different tiers. There's a star tier that gets you access to Pod Strickland, this podcast that I host every Friday with Prez, except when he's being lazy and doesn't come on like tonight. You also get access to the Strickland Mailbag, hosted by Andrew Steele, a.k.a. Doug, a.k.a. the Doug Bag, alongside Dallas Amico that comes out every other week. You also get access to the Strickland Discord, where the conversation never stops. There are further tiers. There's a $9 tier that gets you access to Strick and Roll, my solo pod where I rant and rave about the next even more. You also get access to wonderful premium articles by Matthew Miranda, one of the best in the business. And now you also get access to Strictly NFL, our NFL podcast that is hosted by Constantine and Jeff, who you will be familiar with from all of our post-game shows. And then there are more tiers. There's a $15 tier, $30 tier, $50 tier, $100 tier that's going with a variety of additional benefits like listening on pod recordings, merchandise discounts, and even potentially co-hosting a podcast alongside yours truly one day, whether you choose to subscribe or not, unless it would be possible without you. And none of this would be possible without Online. Football is back. And Bet Online is your more information source for all your sports wagering info with all the up-to-the-minute stats, news scores, and matchup breakdowns. Get the latest game odds, spreads, and totals from the NFL and college football at your fingertips so with BetOnline's real-time updates on statistics, news, and odds. From week one all the way to the college football playoff and Super Bowl, BetOnline gives you access to the best football promotions and contests available anywhere online. Head to the website today or use mobile to get into the action. Remember to use our promo code believe, BLEAV to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit, BetOnline, where the game starts. Um, all right, Chuck, let's, let's get into it. Uh, so this is a great thing that you did. Um, first of all, because... There's nothing to talk about right now. There's absolutely nothing to talk about. Uh the only things people are talking about on NBA Twitter are hypothetical uh Portland trades and uh Dane potentially being somewhere, but then you know he hasn't been traded yet. It's there's nothing actually going on. Um, but you did love this piece and I want to talk to you about it because I think it's really interesting. And we actually did like an exercise Earlier this offseason, not certainly nowhere near as in-depth as this. Uh, and the criteria was a little bit different, but uh Chuck ranked the hundred the NBA's hundred most promising young players, and the specific criteria is players entering year three and earlier. Um and I I think I believe just again, cut me off if I'm wrong, this was not a ranking of who is the best today. This is the ranking of Who you believe will be the best in their careers, and um, I thought it was really interesting exercise. I can't say I agreed with everything. toss it over to you. What inspired you to do this? Like, what what is did you decide? Hey, you know what? This is how I do it. And and how did you come up with this criteria of like? Because when we did, we kind of did like a draft of like the top thirty guys on the rookie contracts, basically. Yeah, why do you, like what differentiates for you? Like, what was the reasoning for the three years or less, or entering year three or, or younger, basically?
1: Uh, yeah, so three years or less is always the criteria I've used on my show on you know the Chucking Darts podcast to talk about guys. Because after you complete your third year, you're eligible for your extension, and so that's not to say that everybody gets one, but once you once you get there, I feel like you've reached a certain status in the league. And the league, in this, you know, in crafting the CBA, has kind of identified that time as we are going to know a little bit about who you are. And so, to me, the most interesting stage of a player's career is that embryonic stage right before they are eligible for those extensions because it's, to me, the greatest inflection point as to where they're going to go. I mean, if you look at really any player, you'll get... Some exceptions, you know, Laurie Markkinen here or there, but for the most part, if a player is going to be really good, like really, really good, there are signs that they show before year three, you know, others, it takes a little bit longer. Others are, they have the signs like Jalen Brunson, but maybe they're blocked on their roster for a certain reason and they need a new environment. But if you are watching them, you, you know, that if they get the jump in usage, they're going to be really, really good. So because of that, it's just a tidy way to just be like, all right, before they're eligible for an extension, that's what I wanted to focus on. And as far as um, why I wanted to do the piece, I think that, you know, in the summer, everyone does a version of ranking players And this was the only way that I kind of thought that I could do it. Like it was me. It was like either jump in both feet deep end or not do it at all. It's the only way that I thought that I could sort of put my own spin on things. And if you've listened to my podcast, you know that I can talk forever. And so I was like, well, what if I just write forever over the summer and, uh, and see what happens. And I think, you know, in general, um, Ranking players can... You can get some flack for doing it. You can get sort of clickbait allegations for doing it um, because there are a lot of people who don't put thought into it. Um, But I think that if you really want to be serious about your analysis and trying to learn as much as you can about the league, at a certain level, you have to do it. You have to. And I think that one of the... Whether my rankings are good or bad... I feel as though I learned a lot about what I value in a player and what differentiates good from great players in doing the exercise. Cause you know, the NBA ranks teams at the end there may, it may be one and then everybody else, but that ranking does happen. And I think that um, teams are constantly evaluating their own players, constantly evaluating players on other teams. And if you're not doing that in some respect, then you're not... I think your analysis is incomplete to a certain extent. And so um, I just wanted to give it a shot and this is just what came out of it.
0: Yeah. Um, so, like, the what do you, What would you say is the hardest part of doing this? Obviously, like, the the talent... I mean, that, like, when we did this, and first of all, I'm not... I've, like, totally step back from, from draft stuff entirely since the 2020 draft. Like, I'm just like, that was the last one I did. And I was just like, you know what? Like, I'm going to be honest with myself. I am not, I did not crunch, Uh, you know, like Theo Maladon tape. And maybe I probably shouldn't have ranked him because I did not watch enough of his tape. Um, And so, like, you know, if you're not putting in that time, I think it's kind of stupid to, to just put out a ranking of your own. Um, so I, I haven't been doing that. but so, so this summer, me and my other co-host Stacey, um, we did a draft of like all rookie scale guys in the league. And so the hardest part for me, and and this is what I found challenging reading your articles because I don't have the knowledge of these guys, is like all these rookies, right? Like, Osser, Amen, Scoot, like literally all like even Wemby. Like, I mean, I'm aware that yes, he's a prodigy, but I have not watched a single Victor Wembanyama game. You know, like, I mm-hmm. have not done that. And so the challenging part for me when we did that was I was, like, very... I basically only ranked in my ranking. I had... The only rookies I had were Wemby, Scoot, and um, Amen. Like, I didn't even rank Brendan, Brendan Miller because I was like, well, I watched him at fucking Summer League and didn't look great, so I, I don't know. <laughs> like, so I'm just not going to rank him. And... <laughs> and so like I, that was the challenging part for me when we did that exercise on our own it was challenging for me to read this because in my head i'm like and i get like the exercise is your projection of player's long term and so for me the challenging thing was i'm like grimes is better than all these guys fuck him like and and i and and I, like in, but like i'm also like okay like i understand that he also does the shit and i don't um so so that was like what was interesting for me because I don't know, and, and you know, I guess it, the hard part, and, and you touched on this in the piece, and you just touched on what you're talking about, is, like, like to me, I watch Grimes, and I've seen games where, like, you know, Randall's out, Brunson's out, RJ's out, and all of a sudden it's like, okay, well, Grimes has to pick up usage. And mm-hmm. when he does it, you see the signs of, like, okay, well, like, maybe there's more here. Yeah. Um, and so I can, because I'm a Knicks fan, because I've watched every single game in his career, Watch every single Knicks game. Like, I probably I mean, I, I definitely have more knowledge of Quentin Grimes in his NBA play um than, than you would, which is totally reasonable. So, like, but it's 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 just such a weird exercise. So I'm like, well, no, I disagree. I think Grimes can do more. At the same time, I'm like, well, I'd be lying if I said I've watched, you know, every fucking Tari Eason game and was like, no, 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 he's <laughs> not being blocked. Only Quentin Grimes is being blocked from doing this. Do. <laughs> yeah. um, but I thought that was like a it, it's it's very challenging, especially for somebody like me, where like I I don't know those young guys, and even you know look like you know you mentioned like roles being blocked, and and you touched on this actually when you wrote your uh, little part about Cam Whitmore, where it's like look I don't know what the hell his role is going to be in Houston this year. You know, like he could play five minutes a game, and. And there are guys like that, right, in this past class that, like, don't, didn't play a lot. And I'm like, well, I don't really know what to make of your role. Or even, like, somebody like Shane Sharp, who you talked about in yours, where like, I saw him play a lot. I saw him put up games with, like, numbers. And then I would, like, look at the final score, and I'm like, okay, well, you put up 25, but you lost, your team lost by, like, 42. So I don't <laughs> actually know what to make of this. Like, I don't know what to make of what you just performed because that context is so weird. Um, so like, I guess like, how do you parse all that stuff? Because it is really hard to like, I mean, this is why NBA teams have armies of scouts and data guys to pour through this. Like how, how hard was managing all that for you individually? And I guess when you were doing this, did you find yourself going back and watching games over the summer of like various players that you ranked just to kind of like, Refresh your memory, kind of. Um.
1: So to answer the last part of your question, I didn't go back and like watch full games. I did go back and look at certain guys um, in isolation, and I looked. I wanted to like check a lot of stats because sometimes the stats aren't, don't match what's in my mind. But yeah, I mean, what you just did is describe like perfectly why doing all this draft evaluation is is not for the totally mentally well <laughs> like it takes a little bit of like an insane commitment to really have all this stuff in your head at any one time but the one of the reasons why i like doing it is cuz if you start and you do it every year and you really feel like whatever the quality of your analysis aside if you put in the time then you will have an opinion eventually on like every player in the NBA because you would have covered them from before they got into the NBA. And doing a lot of the draft work, there's hopefully, if I'm doing this right, there's certain patterns that I pick up on that help inform rankings, projections, stuff like that. And the Whitmore thing is a good example because when you look at Cam's age and you look at his ability to like generate steals and blocks in isolation on defense on the wing. And you look at how many threes he was able to get up. Like when you compare it historically to other guys with similar profiles who are like blow athletic testing out of the water the floor starts to rise a little bit and he has, you know, every player is different. He has his own injury concerns, but I become more comfortable ranking him in a certain space as long as the ranking is a projection. And that you mentioned it. I just want to mention it again. I think I ranked Whitmore ahead of Quentin Grimes. That's not because he's better. Quentin Grimes is much better than Cam Whitmore is right now, but, and they're like in the same tier. I mean, But point being, I'm just saying that moving forward, I see them occupying a similar role in the NBA, a similar level of value to a given team. And I did mention in like a very short preview article, I used Quentin Grimes as an example, being like, (laughs) Quentin Grimes is better than Asar Thompson. This is all about where I think they will likely end up. So um but yeah the the usage thing that you mentioned with grimes is really uh important because a lot of figuring this stuff out about you know who's going to make money and what salary bracket and how much value they're ultimately going to return is about stepping away from the prospect in a vacuum and viewing them in the context of their team because in draft analysis when no one's been drafted yet it's the opposite it's a lot of evaluating in a vacuum and a lot of being like well how many different possibilities does this prospect have in front of them how many different roads might they take and one of the interesting things about doing this is that everyone is still so young that there's still that temptation to look at all the different avenues but at the same time once you're in an organization, those roads narrow, and you have to acknowledge the narrowing of the roads. So like, in Grimes's case, I think it hurts him in my silly exercise. I mean, I still I think I predicted him to like make 20 million dollars a year in his career. He's doing just fine and is going to be great. But it, it hurts him that the team has found an identity where he is a low usage player because the team, you know, when teams find a winning formula, they tend to stick with a winning formula. And for whatever
0: ones coached by Tom Thibodeau,
1: that's exactly what I was going to (laughs) say is that whatever we want to say about Tibbs positive or negative, if something ain't broke, he is not going to fix it. In some cases, if something is broke, he's not necessarily (laughs) going to fix it. Alfred Sagan,
0: starting point guard.
1: Yeah. So like, and I don't, I don't think I ever write or talk in a term where I'm really trying to like belittle or dismiss any kind of player, but these are realities that you have to incorporate. So it's not, it's not me knocking Grimes theoretical ability. If he were to be drafted to whatever team Seattle gets in two years, it's more about saying, look, the Knicks are very unlikely to let this guy go. Cause he's very, very important. But, He is important for the connector qualities that he has. And the Knicks, specifically, the team where he's going to be and likely where he's going to be extended, unless they make a bad decision, you know, in light of the CBA or in the tax. um, On that team, where I think he's going to stay, this is the role that I see him having. And so, you know, that's where that one specifically comes from but you do that with everyone else and it has it has different effects for different players for like brand spanking new rookies who haven't played a game in the nba yet i think i had a tendency to be a bit more optimistic on some than maybe i should be because at the end of draft season i tend to have a little bit more optimism on my top guys and so i might be looking past some roster realities that await them. So like maybe Bilal Kulabali, who I ranked I think 24th, um, is an example of that because Bilal's a guy whose shot is still developing. And even though he was taken very high by the Wiz, I think he's the highest drafted player on that team now. Um he's probably not going to start. And Jordan Poole's going to take a bunch of shots. And they're going to want Kispert and Denny to get an expanded opportunity. And Kuzma is going to be still there taking up a bunch of usage. So maybe in a year after Bilal has averaged, you know, 13 minutes a game as a rookie and been a negative player, I'll feel a lot differently. But for now I have to rely on my scouting report, my more vacuum oriented scouting report on him. Cause I haven't seen him play. And maybe that nudges him, nudges him up further than you know where it should be. But it's all about just sort of dumping all of the knowledge I've been accumulating on these guys since 2021, the draft cycle, and trying to make sense of all of it to learn a little bit more about them.
0: Yeah, and, and I think, like, look, I mean, uh, in the Quentin Grimes part, he was picked 25th. You said at the time you had him ranked 37th, and funny enough, you had him ranked 37th in this exercise. Yeah. So clearly you're higher on him now than you were at that time. So it's not like you're like, it's the thing is like our past opinions are always going to serve as an anchor for like Mm -hmm. where we project forward. But you've clearly moved from a guy that you were like, yeah, he's like a good, you know, take a shot on him late, like a little bit later in the draft to now where you're like, no, this is like, I mean, I I think you said this. I mean, this is what you said about it. Uh, He may top out at 15 to 17 points per game but a selection at pick 25 is an unequivocal home run. You can win a title with Grimes starting at two, and that's what this category is all about. And, like, yeah, I mean, I, I think Grimes is a very interesting case in the sense of, like, his entire development path has been so weird, right? Like, he is a five-star recruit, and he goes to Kansas. Mm-hmm. And then at Kansas, he's, like, supposed to be this point guard. And within 10 games, Bill Self is like, yeah, what if what if you don't do any of that, actually? and And maybe <laughs> what if you leave? Like, what if, what if that <laughs> happens? Um, yeah. And he goes to Houston. He, like, I mean, he totally reinvents his game. He is not, a, not, like, he's definitely not a high usage player with the Knicks. And even in Houston, yeah, he was more of a shot creator, but it was very much not, like, point forward type stuff. Um, and so, like, he serves an interesting thing. And, and, you know, you noted this again in your blurb on him, Was like, he still has those kind of, like, ball distributor tendencies when he drives almost to a fault. Uh, mm-hmm. Where he like, and teams started picking up on this as the season went on. They're like, okay, he, he's not actually going to try to finish. He's going to try and dump it to Mitch for like a dunk or something, like, you know. And um, it's interesting because like his handle, you when you watch him, he's really fast. Like he's super Very. fast. I think that's the thing that Very. almost I caught me by surprise. But he almost goes like he he does not have that change of pace in his game at all yet. There's no in-between years. It's just like zero to one hundred and that's it. There's nothing Mm -hmm. else there. And the hard thing with rejecting him for me is like, okay, yeah, he's zero to one hundred right now. Now, is that because he doesn't have the latitude to to kind of like explore those areas of his game? But and, and I and I will like I've consistently defended Tibbs on this. I think Tibbs is a good development coach. I think his track record with players speaks for itself and he frustrates the shit out of me with a lot of the stuff he does uh i think the, like the last time you came on i think the word the first time you came on was actually the night that we trade that we did not trade for donovan mitchell when he got traded to cleveland <laughs> yeah because he tra- uh, yeah that's right and yeah. uh and like i i will always say this like he will frustrate the living hell out of me with stuff he does but and he gets the rep as, like, he doesn't trust young guys. I don't think that's entirely accurate. Like, say whatever you want about him. The guy's had Emmanuel Quickly as a 20-plus minute-a-night guy in his rotation since his first game in the NBA. And that was mm-hmm. that guy was a 25th pick in the draft. He was starting Quentin Grimes this year, like, basically from the start of the season. Uh, that was a 25th pick in the draft. Like, I don't think he is – he might not trust young guys in the sense of, like, okay, no, but give the ball to Jalen Brunson right now. Give the ball to Julius Randle right now. But I do think he sees value, and he, I think he understands almost too much. He Like, you know, we talk about his rigidity as a coach. He's, like, carved out roles for these guys, and he's like, no, 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 I don't care about what you want to do. I don't care that you worked on your tween, he in the offseason. Like, you come here, and you do these three things that I'm telling you to do, and you're going to be good, and we're going to be good, and if we're good, you're going to make a lot of money, and we'll be fine. And, it's it's frustrating in like I, I think this way more with Grimes and somebody like Quickly who he's afforded um a lot of opportunities. Quite frankly, to play on ball, RJ, a guy that has definitely had a lot of opportunities to to rep out stuff on ball. um Grimes is definitely the one guy who you can be like in terms of perimeter players, anyway. Where it's like, no, like you are doing this thing. And if you want an example of sometimes where that goes bad, I think a guy like Obi Toppin is a perfect example. Where like Obi was basically like told, like, just be a stretch four. I don't want you to do anything mm-hmm. else other than spot up. And obviously that wasn't good for Obi. I'm happy to see him go to Indiana. I think if he's gonna be a really successful NBA player, that's a great spot for him. Um, but like I I don't know, Grimes is such an interesting case to me because it's like, you know, we have these games at the end of the year, the last few years where it's like everybody's injured, so he gets these higher usage games and you see like, okay, well he he did go for 37 and he did wow he took like 15 threes and he made eight and you see that ability but like if you only see that for three or four games a year it's hard to make long-term projections about it and why like well my optimist knicks like hat on i'm going to be like chuck ranked grimes way too low he's sleeping on his upside i think you know, objectively speaking if you don't see that enough i think you ranked him fairly and i, I think like you know, you nailed what I think is maybe there's more there, but 100 percent for sure. What we can say about Quentin Grimes is he can be a starting two guard on a highly competitive, a contending team. Um, and I and like you, I mean, you mentioned this earlier in the pod. Here is like, you know, some of these younger guys like in Asser, or Amen, or Scoot or whatever, where you're like, you know, you're more bullish right now in terms of what their long term ceiling is. In a year from now, you might sit here and be like, well, man. I knew Oscar couldn't shoot, but Jesus, like, he really yeah. cannot shoot. And yeah. he's playing this role of, like, you know, a wing and off ball. And, and that can totally change your opinion. And, and so, like, I, 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 and like, look, we've all, we've all changed our opinions about guys. Like, I, you know, I thought two years ago, if you told me RJ Barrett wasn't going to be a perennial star I was going to be like, well, you don't fucking matter to me. Like, screw you. <laughs> uh, but, like, you know, I, I, I think RJ can still be, and I think he still will be a really good player, but like, do I think he's going to be a perennial All Star move forward? No, I don't. Um, and and so like you know you have to adjust evals as you go along. But I think it's I think it's a cool exercise because of that. Like like I'm sure, I mean this is the reality is a lot of those guys that were that are rookies. I mean you ranked a lot of I, mean, I think quite a bit of this past year's rookie class. Like you had Derek Lively at 32. You know. Jarvis walker 30 and so on and mm-hmm. so forth like a lot of these guys mm-hmm. you have ranked really high and i would be shocked if like when you do this exercise in a year or two years from now a bunch of them that you were super high on just i'm not saying they're gonna bust but they'll probably be lower down the board like they'll be at like 50 55 60 it's just the nature of like doing it and we all do this this is why there's like you know draft picks are viewed as like it's like the car analogy right as soon as you drive it off the lot once you drew the seventh yeah. pick is so amazing, but once the seventh pick becomes like, you know, Frank Lekina, <laughs> now it has a different value. So, um, yeah, I think it's like, I, th- I I enjoyed this exercise a lot. Like, I, like again, I disagree with a lot of stuff, which I'm sure anybody that goes through this list will, um, but it's like a very forthright exercise, and I did appreciate it.
1: Yeah, and I think, like, first of all, when you say, you know, ranked him super high, ranked him 30th out of 100, obviously, right. like, with the math, you you take the ranking, you divide it by three, and that's your average draft ranking. So, the tier that Grimes was in, along with Lively and Jairus Walker and these other guys, were uh, basically picks that are mid to late lottery. Like, n- I think 9 to 13 is how it broke down. So, yeah. Somewhere between the ninth and 13th pick is the value I expect Grimes to produce. When you view him in light of this year's rookie class, you know, with my personal rankings, which more or less have held up, they changed a little bit with Summer League, but they're basically stable. I view him as m- going to provide more value than Anthony Black, who was taken sixth overall by the magic, because I have issues with Anthony's game and I would just would, I would rather have Grimes. I viewed him as essentially I don't like that landing
0: spot for Anthony Block.
1: Well, I, I agree, but I also think that... So this is a, a perfect thing with usage. If you don't shoot well, and Anthony doesn't shoot well, and probably never will shoot well, then you need to be so special athletically, like Asar is, or like Amen is, or like Koulibaly is, in order to carve out a really good and positive role. And if you aren't, if you are... I'll say Anthony is, like, a good athlete, but I don't think he's a great one. He's very smart, but he's not, like, the size of a Josh Giddy or a Scotty Barnes. Like, you need to have so much going in your favor if you're going to be a minus shooter...